Good morning. There we go. Welcome, welcome to Grace Fellowship, where apparently we take fashion very seriously. Some, some of you remember when I wore this shirt uh, a few months ago, and I was kind of surprised. It got mixed reviews. It got mixed reviews. Some, some of you loved it. Uh, some of you, uh, you didn't want to hurt my feelings, but I could tell. I, I knew. And then, then there are those that just don't have a filter that filters out rude, right? You just don't have that. Uh, so I thought what I could do this morning, since we're starting this new series, no offense, I thought I, thought I could wear this shirt again, and we started in my home and with my family, we started an over-under contest uh, to see how many insults I would get from my Christian church family over my shirt. So far, I'm kind of disappointed in, in a way, because it's like zero so far. You all have been very nice about my shirt today, so thanks for that. I was kind of expecting at least one person, like, no offense, but your shirt is stupid, and you look ridiculous. There you go. One. <laughs> I did hear that one. Now, the sunglasses, I did hear that one somewhere in the room. Two. All right, well, welcome, welcome to our end of summer series called No Offense. And I just want you to know that I'm not using the word offense like someone stunk up the elevator. I'm using, I'm using the word offense in the sense that there's something that is said, something that is done that creates within us this feeling, this emotion of anger. That's how we're using the word. You know, Jesus said the two greatest commandments are what? Love God with our whole selves and what? What's the second one? Love your neighbor. Love others to love others, and even the ones that are hard to love. Because, you know, Jesus also says, uh, love your enemies, and they are people uh, that Jesus expects us to demonstrate love to. And that's not always easy. I recognize that. Uh, I, I understand that that can be a stretch sometimes. But according to 1 Corinthians 13, love is defined with a, a number of word descriptions like kind and patient. And it's love is not rude. Love is not easily angered. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And maybe when you read through that list, you would agree with me that I've fallen short of that. Have you ever fallen short of that standard of love at times in your life? I know I have. I think we probably also all know someone who is easily offended. Now, don't point them out. If they're in the room, please don't, you know, don't do this. Uh, but we all probably know someone who is easily offended, easily angered. And if we were to be honest with one another, we probably would have to say there, there have been times when maybe we have gotten uh, more easily angered or more easily offended than we would care to admit or that we wish that we were at different times. And I don't know what it is for you, maybe, maybe what sets you off or what offends you or what makes you angered. You know, when someone changes plans at the last minute, sometimes that really ticks people off. Maybe it's when someone cuts you off in traffic. Maybe it's when someone flips you off in the parking lot. Hopefully not the church parking lot. I'm hoping that's not where that's happening. Or maybe it's when someone posts something online that offends you. Maybe it's when someone sends you a snarky text message. We probably all have gotten one of those. 
Or maybe it's uh, they don't reply. Like you text someone and you see the bubbles and then the bubbles go away and there's nothing. I'm like, what just happened? They just ghosted me. What, what happened here? Or maybe it's when someone expresses a different political worldview than you and you're just like, I can't even be around this person anymore. Uh, this, is, this is one of mine. I'll just share one of mine. It might be yours. When someone talks during a movie, I just, I, that, one, that one gets under my skin. Or for some, this is kind of funny. Sometimes people get annoyed, offended, when instead of just texting you something, they call you. Why didn't you just text me that? And then there are other people who are like, you get a text message, why didn't you just call me? We could have saved a whole lot of time if you just called me instead of texting me this. You can't win. Maybe, maybe what it is for you is when someone tells a really offensive cat joke. Maybe that's what sets you over the edge. I don't know what it is, but for me, honestly, I, I, I'm, not, I'm truly not offended if you don't like my shirt or my outfit. That doesn't bother me. Um, I, I, like, I like my shirt. I think it looks good. But I, 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 do say, I do think it's important to say this out loud. I do have feelings, right? I, I do have I do have feelings. I don't think it's super fun. I'm, I'm sure you don't think it's super fun when people say unkind things about us. I don't like it if someone says uh, something unkind about my family. I don't like it when people might say something unkind about our church. FYI, this is a bonus, something for free. Uh, just because someone says, no offense, not okay to be rude. All right, just giving that out there for free. I think, I think we all experience offense. I, I think we all, as we walk through life, there are things that are said, there are things that we see, there are things that people do that uh, create within us this emotion of anger. We all experience that. But what if? What if there was a better way to react when we are offended, when we are angered, than typing the angry text? Or saying something that, in retrospect, for sure, harmed our testimony as a follower of Jesus Christ? Or instead of engaging in passive-aggressive psych-ops warfare with people, is there a better way? Is there a better way to deal with our offenses that people offend us or, or anger us? And I believe, I believe that there is. And I really want this series to be helpful. I, I think it's going to be helpful for us to learn how to get over our offenses, how to get over our, our anger more quickly to learn how to let go of things so they don't ruin our day, so they don't ruin our lives. Let's ask God for some help. Lord, thanks so much that we can spend this time together in your word, and I'm praying that as we engage with you through your word today, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, help us to hear from you, help us to listen to you, Help us to have an understanding of how to apply your word in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So the big points that I'm going to be pulling out uh, throughout this series, uh, they're coming out of a book called Unoffendable, Unoffendable, 
How Just One Change Can Make All of Life Better by Brant Hansen. It's a really, really good book. I would encourage that you get this book. In fact, I'd like to give this copy away. Uh, I think I'm going to give this copy away to the person with the ugliest shirt. No, that's, that's me. Uh, how about this? How about I give it away to the first person who would admit that there was something this week, you know, admit it publicly, uh, something this week, you could have handled your anger better. Anyone want to be the first to admit, I could have handled my anger, my offense better? Okay, all right. Appreciate your honesty. There you go. I'm going to give away a book every week uh, throughout this series. There'll be something different each week. But I really encourage you, get the book, uh, Unoffendable. I think you're really going to be blessed by it. It's an easy read, super helpful. I'm not going to be covering everything in it, but I am going to be pointing out some things that I think uh, are going to be good for our series in the Word of God. Also, just want to thank our friends at Life Church for the graphics, for some sermon ideas. I just think they're super helpful, especially since the last time I put together, when I, the last bumper, you know, those videos before the sermon, the last bumper that I designed, uh, my daughter Hannah asked, why did you use three fonts in one video? You should have used one font. That would be better. Think that offended her? <laughs> no, I told her I was going to tell that joke, and, and I got her permission. She, she thought that was funny. All right, join me in James chapter 1. Would you join me there? James chapter 1, verse 19. James chapter 1, verse 19. I'm just going to tell you this is a hard passage to hear, but we need to hear it. It's a hard passage uh, sometimes maybe to live, but we need to be challenged by it. Here we go. First James chapter 1, verse 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You, so we're talking to the believer here, right? You, me, we must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why? Why do we, why do we need to do these things? Why do we need to do that? Well, verse 20 gives us the answer. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let me ask you this first. You don't have to say it out loud. Maybe you want to write it down, but at least do this in your mind. How would you rate yourself 1 to 10 on each one of those three things? Just kind of in your mind, go through it. If you want to jot it down, rate yourself 1 to 10. Like 1, I'm terrible at this. 10, I'm, I'm really doing pretty well. When it comes to being quick to listen, quick to listen, 1 to 10, where are you at? Uh, how about slow to speak, that you think before you speak? 1 to 10, where are you at with that? How, how about slow to anger? Where would you rate yourself? Slow to anger, 1 to 10 on that. I just want you to know there, there's no prize. I already gave the book away. There's no prize for a high score on this. So just be honest. I wonder if there's one of those that you would say that you struggle more with than the others. There might be one of those, you're like, yeah, I do pretty good here, but this one, I, this one I need to work on. Wherever you find yourself there, James makes this really profound point about human anger. He says that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Let that sink in. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And it doesn't matter if what offends us, what angers us is something small and petty, or if it's a major betrayal, human anger 
does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And I, I want to I tell you about my own personal journey with this issue. I think that's helpful to the conversation, just to let you know where I am, where I've been with this particular issue. A couple years ago, I, I started noticing the, all the frustration of all things COVID, all the frustration that we experienced through the political tension a couple years back, all of that frustration, uh, I noticed it was getting to me. And, and as I noticed that, as like, I, I don't like where my heart is trending. I don't like where my mind is, is drifting. That's not who I want to be. I don't want to be an angry person. I don't want to be that person who looks at others with like these eyes of moral superiority, self-righteousness, that looks at uh, people and this person's evil, this person's an idiot, this person's both. I don't want to be that person. And I could feel myself being pulled in that direction. So uh, I stopped looking at social media, and that helped. I, I reduced my consumption of news, that helped. I made a lot more trips to Dairy Queen. That for sure helped. But I prayed a lot about it. And as I prayed more and more about it, the Lord led my heart to this particular passage in 2 Peter chapter 1. It's on the screen for you. You're welcome to look it up. But 2 Peter chapter 1. The, the beginning of that chapter, uh, Peter talks about how in, in God's uh, divine power, He gives us everything we need for life, everything that we need to live a righteous life. And then He says this in verse 5, in light of that, knowing that God provides everything we need to live a righteous life, He says, so make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and, and to your goodness, knowledge, and to your knowledge, self-control, increase in perseverance, and and godliness, and brotherly kindness, and, and then there's this word, love. And Peter says, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, that if, if uh, these types of qualities are increasing in our lives, listen, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I read that over and over, and I was like, I, this is me. I don't want to become ineffective. I don't want to become unproductive in my relationship with Jesus. And I started looking at, okay, where's the tension? The tension is not in my faith. I'm not struggling in my faith. Where's the tension? The struggle is, is not in, in, in goodness or in faithfulness. Goodness isn't, am I able to persevere or have self That wasn't where I felt the tension. What I noticed was, it's this love thing. I, I, I need an increase in love. Galatians 5.22, you know it, right? The, the fruit of the Spirit. fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the first one. Joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All these, these qualities that come from the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
I believe, I would argue, that the secret ingredient that the Holy Spirit uses to give life, to give power to all of those qualities is love. I believe that's the engine that fuels joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You go back to 1 Corinthians 13. Every wedding we go to, we, we hear that read to us, right? 1 Corinthians 13 reminds us that true love, God's definition of love is, is that it's patient, it's kind, it's not rude, it's not self-centered, it's not easily angered, it does not keep a record of wrongs or offenses. And so we come back to what James' point is, that human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires, that the righteous life that God desires for us, and that He gives us everything that we need to live, human anger cancels that out. It makes it it makes it more likely that we're going to be unproductive and ineffective in our faith. Now, probably, I'm guessing that's not shocking to hear. I, don't, I didn't hear any gasps in the room like, what? I think we know this. So we, we may not think of it all the time in these terms, but let's, let's just kind of agree together that anger is not effective, it's not productive in, in producing things in life that we really want. How effective is our anger in making our lives better? It doesn't enhance our lives. Anger is not something that makes us more like Jesus. How effective is anger in helping us in our mission to help other people meet Jesus and helping them live a Jesus-centered life? How, how effective is anger in making the world a better place? How effective is anger in bringing things like joy and peace and happiness and love into our lives and into the lives of other people? How, how effective is anger in making your marriage stronger? How effective is, is anger in helping us get a good night's rest? Man, I slept so good last night, I was so angry, I slept so great, no one ever said. The next time we find ourselves angry, and we do, or offended, and it's going to happen, what if we asked ourselves this simple question? You ready for it? It's the title of the sermon there underneath, no offense. Do I want to make a point... Or do I want to make a difference? Do I want to make a point? Or do I want to make a difference? And, and maybe at this point you want to push back on me and say, Pastor, there, there's evil in this world that we should have righteous anger over. And I would absolutely agree with you on that. But I would push back on you and say this, but we don't have to be angry people to make a difference in the world. And I'll give you an example. I, I, met, I met this pastor. His name is Chris Russell, and he works for Destiny Rescue. Destiny Rescue is an organization. Uh, they just actually uh, got status within our fellowship this year as a cooperating ministry in our fellowship. They rescue girls uh, out of sex trafficking all over the world. And Chris is actually going to be here in November, 
to share with you directly the incredible work that they're doing all over the world. Not only do they, they rescue girls out of sex trafficking, they, they give them a new life. It's incredible what they do. Now, I, I would think, I would hope to believe that we would all agree that sex trafficking girls is evil and that it should stir a righteous disgust and anger within us that would motivate us to want to do something to stop it. But what I noticed about Chris is that he's not an angry person. He is making a huge difference. And he is fighting against a terrible evil. But Chris is kind. And he is loving and he is focused on living out the love of Jesus while he fights against a terrible evil. It's okay to have strong opinions about things. And yes, we should definitely stand up for truth. But as followers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we can do that with love rather than in anger. We can make a difference. We can, we can fight against evil. We can fight back against injustice in the world. We can stand up for truth. We can do all of these things by leading with love and compassion rather than anger. Think about the gospel. How, how is it that hearts and lives are changed? The gospel tells us that it is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So do we want to make a point or do we want to make a difference? People need to meet Jesus. You know that, that phrase, y'all need Jesus, it's not just a sarcastic uh, shirt or a bumper sticker. It's absolutely true. And if we really want to make a difference in people's lives, then we need to point them to the one who loves us more than anyone else can. We need to point them to the one who can satisfy our souls more than anything else this world has to offer. We want to make a difference. We need to point people to the one who's changing our lives, who's helping us to become more loving and more filled with, with joy and peace and contentment and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. Do we want to make a point? Or do we want to make a difference? So I'll ask this question, just as how we apply this. How do we learn to let go of offenses or our anger quickly so that it's going to happen, right? We're going to get offended. We're, there's going to be moments in time just in our daily lives that something's, something happens and it ticks us off. That, that's going to happen. But how do we move beyond it quickly so that we can stay focused on making a difference? I want to offer you two simple principles that I, I think are helpful. Here's the first one. You ready? Number one, lower your expectations of others. Lower your expectations of others. Check this out, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Would you look at that with me? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, look at, well, we'll start in verse 1. As Paul writes this letter to Timothy, he says, You should know this, Timothy, that 
in the last days, there will be difficult times. And then he describes people. For people will love only themselves and their money. Hmm. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Does any of this sound familiar? They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and they will hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride. They will love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. <laughs> Stay away from people like that. Should we really be shocked that sinful people do sinful things? Should that like shock our senses? Remember when, when Jesus, we, we look at him as our standard, he was never shocked at, at, at sinful people doing sinful things. It's not how he reacted to people. When Jesus met the woman by the well who was getting water that day, she was a woman who was married five times, right? married five times, and she was currently, at that moment, she was living with some other guy. And yet Jesus didn't walk away from her in disgust, like, get away from me, you disgusting woman. That's not how he interacted with her. He interacted with her with respect and, and showed her uh, dignity in his conversation with her. He, he shared with her truth that what she was really searching for and, and, and was trying to fill up this hole in her life with all these other things, he said, what you're really looking for is a relationship with Jesus with him, that he's the one who could satisfy her soul. Remember when Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples for his death, and while he was trying to prepare them for that, they're too busy trying to rank each other. Who's, who's going to get to sit next to Jesus in the throne room? It's got to be me. can't be you. That's what they were busy doing. But Jesus didn't lose it on those guys. He, I don't know your personality, but I'm sure that it would be tempting to say, you know, are you guys kidding me right now? What's wrong with you idiots? Are, are you that self-centered? All you care about is yourself. I am about to be crucified, and this is what you're talking about? That's not how Jesus responded to them. Remember when Peter was walking around being a Johnny Big Talker, saying, oh, he was bragging and boasting, I'll never betray you, I'll die for you. Within 24 hours, he, he betrayed Jesus. He denied he even knew him. And it wasn't just Peter, right? It wasn't just him. All Jesus' friends bailed on him that night. But Jesus, now keep this in context, right? Jesus didn't leave the church, make a Facebook rant, and then go around and bashed everyone who would listen about these terrible Christians. I understand that wasn't the context of what we're talking about, but you get it, right? Jesus, Jesus hung in there with them. He restored relationships with them. Remember when Jesus was being whipped, spit on, 
mocked, ridiculed, and crucified. You understand, he, he could have destroyed them all with a whisper. But instead, what did he say? Father, forgive them. His love beat back the temptation to quit. His love beat back the temptation to explode their internal organs. Only Jesus is perfect. He is our model to follow. He's our standard to pattern our lives after. We're not perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. So we shouldn't be shocked when sinful people do sinful things. We shouldn't be shocked when people hurt our feelings. We need to lower our expectations of others. And here's the second thing. As we do that, just have an understanding that sinful people do sinful things. So here's the second thing. Raise, raise your gratitude for God's grace. Raise your gratitude for God's grace. What's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 teach us? That it's by grace that we are saved. It's through faith in Jesus, not of ourselves. Right? We can't boast ever. We can't get to heaven one day and boast that we deserve to be there. It's only God's gift of grace that is extended to us, that we receive by faith through Jesus Christ. Let's see if we can do this. Let's see. Maybe. Maybe I'm totally out of bounds here. I don't know. We'll see. Let's see if we can find the perfect person in the room. I don't think that person's here. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's see. If you are someone who has never sinned, own it, and we are going to applaud you. Raise your hand. Never lied, never cheated, never stole, never had a lustful thought, never had uh, an, an angry outburst or a, a thought in your mind of anger, like, Lord, give this person diarrhea. I cannot stand them. Like you ne That never happened. Well, that was my... No, I'm just kidding. That's... All right, so I'm assuming that there's not a perfect person in the room because I didn't see any hands go up. Certainly mine's not. So then how are we made right with God? How are we made right with God? It's all the same way, right? Since none of us are perfect, we are all made right with God the same way. It is all through faith in Jesus Christ, His sacrifice on the cross, to appease the wrath of God against our sin is all, all of us, through the gift of God's grace that we don't earn, that we don't deserve, that we receive through faith by believing in the promise of the gospel. Would we agree? Yeah. So the question on the other side of that gospel truth is, how grateful are you? How grateful am I for God's grace? I would argue that the more gratitude fills our hearts, the less room there is for anger. Raising our gratitude for God's grace in our own lives can help us get over offense and anger more quickly. Remembering that we are all, we are all on the same path to heaven. Through God's grace. That's it. If, if we're on our way to heaven, it's not because we deserve it. It's not because we've earned it. If we're on our way to heaven, it's because Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That's it. You, me. And I think 
raising our gratitude for God's grace, it's going to help us live out the qualities of love, like patience and kindness. Remembering how much Jesus has forgiven us will help us extend grace and forgiveness to others rather than being so easily angered. I, w- I, want, you, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that you found out that you have cancer, and it's, it's like all through your body. You go to the doctor, and they go through the scans with you, and you know, there's cancer. It's all through your body, and you don't have, like, let's say they give you three months, six months to live. Like, this is, this is serious. And, and so you, you go home, and you and everyone that you know, you start praying for a miracle. And then, let's say uh, maybe a month later, you go back for an, a follow-up appointment, right? They do scans, and they're doing all these things. And you go into the, into the doctor's office, and the doctor sits down, and he's just got like this weird, puzzled look that kind of mixed with excitement. You're, you're not sure how to read him. And, and he says, I, cancer's gone. I, I can't explain it. There's no reason that I can point to. We've done nothing and here's the scan the last time. It's, it's all through your body. You should be dying. Here's the scan from the day. It's gone. Imagine that God did a miracle like that in your life. And you leave the doctor's office. You get in your car and you're driving home. If someone cut you off in traffic... On the way home from that doctor's office visit, would it ruin your day? The answer is no. No, no, that would not ruin your day. It would be really hard to ruin your day with that much gratitude in your heart, wouldn't it? Raise the gratitude for God's grace in your life. There's not going to be much room left for anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's the standard that we're shooting for as followers of Jesus because human anger does not produce the righteous life that God desires for us. So the next time you are offended, the next time you are angered and you feel like typing something brutally, monumentally angry at someone... Maybe you feel like, you know what, I am done. I'm burning this bridge to the ground in this relationship. The next time you feel like proving your point, pause and ask the question, wait a minute. Do I want to make a difference? How can I handle this with love? How can, I, how can I fight this injustice? How can I fight back against this evil without anger destroying me in the process? These are good questions. 